Hey everybody, welcome back to our podcast of Church on the Back Deck. As we continue our journey in looking at a different way to see the Bible and maybe a different way to see God, today we're going to turn our attention to a question. And that question is, who is God to you? Is God a God of love? Or is God a God of legalism? Uh, it's hard to have both. Uh, it's hard to have legalism involved with love, and it's hard to have love involved with legalism. And today we're going to start by turning our attention to Moses. And we're going to look at a couple of passages that contain maybe some contra- contradiction and confusion. In Exodus 17, Moses told Joshua to choose some of their men and go out to fight the Amalekites. And the following is the Bible's description of this event. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands with the staff of God in his hands, from verse 9, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Now, just for reference, this is Exodus 17, 10 through 13. And so this passage of the Bible would have us believe that God would be legalistic so that when Moses held his staff in the air, God was for the Israelites. But when Moses' arms grew weary, and he lowered the staff, then God was suddenly for the Amalekites. And I say that because when Moses lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning the battle. Now, really? Would we really think that? To keep God's favor after this now, to keep God's favor, the two guys with Moses had to hold his arms so the staff would stay in the air or they would have been defeated. Now, this actually sounds like more of a story you would tell around a campfire with fictitious embellishments added in to make the story sound more dramatic. What, what exactly is this legalism that we're reducing God to in this scripture? How would God change sides of who he's for and who's going to win the battle simply because a staff was in the air or not in the air? And, you know, when we think of God this way, no wonder so many people think they must be legalistic to please God. And it's my belief that God has been misrepresented in this way. You know, it's kind of like praying for your favorite sports team to win. Have we reduced God to the point that God cares who wins a sporting event? You know, people who love God and may not love God represent both sides of the contest. There's people like this on each team. 
And both players and fans represent people who may love God and may not love God. So why would we think God would care which side wins a sporting event? There are much more pressing issues for us to be interested in. You know, and if only we would put the same effort into issues like equality, peace, love, and acceptance that we put into rooting for our favorite sports team. So, you know, the next question for us to think about is, do we believe in a loving or a killing God? You know, we've heard it said that God is love. But is this how God is depicted in all of the aspects we see in Scripture? In Numbers 31, we see God depicted in quite a different light than love. So Numbers 31, 7 through 18 says, They fought against Midian as the Lord commanded Moses and killed every man. Among their victims were Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Baor, with the sword. The Israelites captured the Midianite women and children and took all the Midianite herds, flocks, and goods as plunder. They burned all the towns where the Midianites had settled, as well as all their camps. They took all the plunder and spoils, including the people and animals, and brought the captive spoils and plunder to Moses and Eleazar the priest and the Israelite assembly at their camp on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Moses, Eleazar the priest, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. Moses was angry with the officers of the army, the commanders of the thousands and commanders of hundreds who returned from the battle. Have you allowed all the women to live? He asked them. They were the ones who followed Balaam's advice and enticed the Israelites to be unfaithful to the Lord in the Peor incident so that a plague struck the Lord's people. Now kill all the boys and kill every woman who has slept with a man. But save for yourselves every girl who has never slept with a man. All right. Again, that's Numbers 31, 7 through 18. So now through this text, we're to believe that God would want all people killed that were outside of what the Israelites believed. And this would include even the women and the little boys. But wait, wait just a minute. Not all the women, just the women who had slept with a man. For the women that hadn't slept with a man, you can keep them as pleasure for yourselves. Really, really, this is the killing God, killing women and little boys, except the women who hadn't slept with a man, keep them for yourselves. For me, this sounds like something more that a man would write down than it would be what God would have somebody write down. 
And when you look at the two scriptures we have looked at today, it's no wonder that we can see so much hate from certain religious people towards others when God has been misrepresented in this way. Why do we say these these would be confusing and contradictory thoughts? Because when we turn our attention to some of the beautiful things that the Bible has to say, it would be in direct contradiction, contradiction to what we just looked at. And let's look at some of those beautiful things now to see what they looked at, what they look like. So let's look at a loving and compassionate God. Compassion is defined as sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. So we're going to have sympathetic consciousness of another's distress, and we're going to combine that with a desire to alleviate it. So what would we rather have? A God who kills us for the distress we face in our life, or a God who is compassionate towards the distress we have and helps us alleviate it? Let's look at Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, what great words these are for us to listen to. God's compassions never, I repeat, never fail. They are new every morning. And not only this, but because of God's great love, we are not consumed. These do not sound like the characteristics of a killing God. On the contrary, they sound like the characteristics of a loving and compassionate God. And speaking of love, we have other words that make this sound even better. So let's look at text that talks about God is love. This is going to come from 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, and verses 18 through 20. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God, whom they have not seen. Again, what great words for us to live by. And when we couple this with the two greatest commandments, we have a true recipe for success. The two greatest commandments are as follows, and they're found in Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second 
is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Notice it says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Love God and love others. You know, this is a big dose of what the world needs right now. The last two passages we have looked at are truly a recipe for healing our world today. First, God is love. God is not fear. There is no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. And God represents love, not punishment. If we could just get this and start living by love instead of being driven by rules because we're afraid. So the formula to life is to love God and love others. How much simpler can it get? And the way we show that we know and love God is by loving other people. If we say we love God, but we don't love other people, we are a liar. And again, how much simpler can it get? So, would you rather live a life in legalism, feeling superior and judging and condemning other people? Or would you rather live a life with compassion and love for other people and return the love God intended us to give? You know, it's not my intent to destroy anyone's belief system, but hopefully, perhaps, to strengthen it. Over time, we have turned the Bible into God. And when you can let God open your mind and look at the entirety of what the Bible says, it becomes very clear that much of it would not be what God would have said at all. The reason this is so important is because some people use the Bible for superiority, exclusion, condemnation, and judgment, which would be a direct contradiction to what God would want from us. When we finish this journey, my hope is that we can replace this with equality, peace, love, and acceptance, which is exactly what God would want from us. I appreciate you all joining us again today. I would love to hear your comments and your feedback or even ideas for future podcasts that you would like us, topics you would like us to address. So again, thank you guys for joining in. I hope you uh, get some depth and some thought out of what we talk about, and it creates an opportunity for you to challenge some thought processes that you may be dealing with. You guys have a great day, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. Thank you.